the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. At the return of Jesus Christ, Paul wanted to present his converts to the Lord, saying, Here, Lord, they're like you. Now, let me explain this. It's true that when we die, the moment we die, the moment we're raptured, we will be absolutely like Jesus Christ in character. Absolutely. 1 John 3, 2 says, when he appears, we shall be like him. But that's not what Paul is talking about. That's going to take place regardless of what happens in life for a believer. But we ought not to wait around saying, you know, the moment I die, I'm going to be transformed like Christ. So why bother doing anything? If you have that attitude, you're probably not a believer. Because a true believer is progressing in his maturity. A true believer is making some progress. God is doing a work in him and he'll perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. A true believer is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ right now. And while he will not be perfect in this life, it is his goal to be perfect in this life. Do you know that? Paul spoke about that in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. He said, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about maturity, being like Christ. You must not say, and I must not say, well, I'm never going to be like Jesus, so why bother? No, that's not the right biblical attitude. The right biblical attitude is, I'm not like Christ now, but I want to be. And that is my deepest desire, and I press on. I press on, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, and at the end of my life, I should be closer to being like Christ than I ever was, and then the Lord takes me to glory and he finishes the task. That's the biblical perspective. What Paul is talking about is what we call progressive sanctification, that every day you're making some progress. That's the goal. what Pastor Steve said, I'm not like Christ now, but I want to be, and that is my deepest desire. Welcome to Verse by Verse, where we are closing in on the end of our series that is titled The Incomparable Christ with our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. This has been a great journey through Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul's goal to become mature in Christ was the goal he also had for the Colossian believers. That's what he's talking about in verse 28 of Colossians 1. And the way he went about accomplishing this goal of spiritual maturity in the church was twofold. Number one, admonishing each person. And number two, teaching each person. What does that mean? We're about to find out. Here's our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. 
God has placed you here, unless you're visiting and wondering about this church, but if you attend here, God has placed you here. What are you doing? What will you do? Jesus said he came to serve, not to be served. And you may wonder, well, why is the church so significant anyway? Why is it so important? I'll tell you, it's because Jesus Christ purchased the church with his blood. He's the head of the church. It's the precious bride of Christ. He loves the church. You may have a love for this church, but that's nothing in comparison with Christ's love for the body of Christ. It's his bride. He cares about the church. And so we must, because it belongs to him. Paul said, why is life so hard for me? Because he suffered for the church, not himself. He served the church, not himself. But the third reason life was so hard for Paul is that he struggled for the church. Life was a struggle. He struggled for the church. Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. And for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. As Paul carried on his ministry of preaching God's word about the Lord Jesus, some came to faith in Christ. Certainly not everybody, but some did. And you know what? Paul was unlike a lot of Christians today who have the attitude, I'll save them, you raise them. Now, Paul had a passion not only for leading people to Christ, but also his goal was to help them to mature so that, as he says in verse 28, to present every man complete in Christ Jesus. In fact, we have that on our bulletin every week, this verse. We admonish, we teach that we might present every man complete in Jesus Christ. That was Paul's burden. That was his goal. Not simply to lead them to faith in Christ and then move on. We'll bring them into this world, but now you take care of them. No, Paul had the heart of a mother and a father to nurture them. He says his purpose was to present every man complete in Christ. What does that mean? Perfect or mature or complete means mature. Every man mature in Jesus Christ. At the return of Jesus Christ, Paul wanted to present his converts to the Lord saying, Here, Lord, they're like you. Now, let me explain this. It's true that when we die, the moment we die, the moment we're raptured, we will be absolutely like Jesus Christ in character. Absolutely. 1 John 3, 2 says, when he appears, we shall be like him. But that's not what Paul is talking about. That's going to take place regardless of what happens in life for a believer. But we ought not to wait around saying, you know, the moment I die, I'm going to be transformed like Christ. So why bother doing anything? If you have that attitude, you're probably not a believer. Because a true believer is progressing in his maturity. A true believer is making some progress. God is doing a work in him and he'll perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. A true believer is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ right now. And while he will not be perfect in this life, it is his goal to be perfect in this life. Do you know that? Paul spoke about that in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. He said, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about maturity, being like Christ. You must not say, and I must not say, well, I'm never going to be like Jesus, so why bother? 
No, that's not the right biblical attitude. The right biblical attitude is, I'm not like Christ now, but I want to be. And that is my deepest desire, and I press on. I press on, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, and at the end of my life, I should be closer to being like Christ than I ever was, and then the Lord takes me to glory and he finishes the task. That's the biblical perspective. What Paul is talking about is what we call progressive sanctification, that every day you're making some progress. That's the goal. Paul said the same goal that he had for himself to mature in Christ was the goal he had for believers. That's what he's talking about in verse 28 of Colossians 1. And the way he went about accomplishing this goal of spiritual maturity in the church was twofold. Number one, he says in verse 28, admonishing every man, and number two, teaching every man. Now, what does that mean? First, it's a negative truth. How do you do this? How do you mature in your life? Number one, by admonishment. It means to warn, to counsel. The thought is to also rebuke. It's a negative thing. Don't do this. If you do this, you're going to run into trouble. That's what we have to do as believers. We have to hear that. The positive aspect is of teaching, which means instruction. So it's both. Paul's point is that for the sake of the church, he spent his time warning them, counseling them, and teaching them. Because why? Because it's God's word that is the instrument that brings about maturity. That's what Paul did. Now, in verse 28 is the fact that what Paul did in order to bring about spiritual maturity is teach and warn. Most of us know that. That's not new to us. But verse 29 tells us his style. And this is what becomes very important for us. How did Paul do this? How did Paul work? Because how Paul worked in bringing about maturity to believers is how we're supposed to do it. Verse 29 is so important. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul's work is described by two words. Number one, labor. Labor. You know what he's saying? This word means to work to the point of exhaustion. Paul was not lazy. Paul worked to the point of exhaustion. Paul used all of his strength, both physically and mentally, to teach and admonish. That's Paul's ministry. That's what Paul did. Paul spent himself for the sake of the church. In Acts 20, we're given a glimpse of Paul's ministry. Listen, this was not a guy who worked one day a week and played golf all the other days. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know that from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. He says in verse 31, Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And he says, Now I commend you to God and to his word and so forth. Do you want to know how to carry on a ministry? You labor to the point like Paul, you cry. You work day and night. You go house to house. You pour out your heart. That's ministry. And you're going to suffer for that. Life is going to be hard for that. Think of Paul's work. He listened to God. He was inspired by God. He prayed. He wrote letters. He gave missionary counsel. He gave directions to his fellow workers. He planned for the future. He gave personal counsel. He continued to evangelize. Even in prison, he's carrying on the work. Work never stopped for Paul. He labored to the point of exhaustion for the sake of God's people. And do you know what we learned from Paul? And don't forget the overall theme here. The overall theme is for the sake of the church and how we're to serve. Do you know what we learn from Paul's labors? 
that service to Jesus Christ is not an easy task. There is no room in ministry, whether it's a full-time ministry like mine or whether it's service that you give on Sunday, there is no room in ministry for laziness. We had a neighbor who one day said not only to our son Ben, but also to me, astounded that I might be at work during the day. Don't all pastors just work on Sunday? That's what he thought. You kind of want to get into a job like that. You just get up on Sunday and talk. And then the rest of the week, you do whatever you want. Now, that was his idea of ministry. And I said, I don't know the pastors that you've known, but I work hard. No room for laziness in ministry. Listen, don't back off from ministry because it's hard work. There are people who want to get into ministry and how much is it going to involve? And I understand we all have time constraints and we all have different responsibilities, but don't go into a ministry thinking, how hard is this going to be? That's not the spirit of the scriptures. Because remember what Paul is saying, he did this for the sake of the church, for new believers to present them mature in Christ and bringing new believers to maturity and even some older believers to maturity is hard work. It's difficult. It's not an easy task. It's hard, exhausting work. Growth among believers is difficult and it's trying. Do not look for an easy task in the church or don't look for any task if you think it's easy. There is no ministry at this church that's easy. It takes commitment and it takes work. Martin Luther, the reformer, worked so hard that on many days he just fell into bed. D.L. Moody, the evangelist, his bedtime prayer on one occasion as he rolled into bed was, Lord, I'm tired, amen. John Wesley rode on his horse 60 to 70 miles many days as he preached an average of three sermons a day. Alexander McLaren, a great Bible teacher and pastor from Scotland years ago in the 1800s, he was at his office to study every day before the workmen arrived at their place of employment because he said he worked for the king and he would not allow anybody to get to work earlier than him. In fact, Alexander McLaren, when he studied, and he was a great expositor and he studied hard, he wore workmen's boots while studying the Bible to remind them that he was to work hard for the king. When you serve the Lord, there is no room for laziness. You ought to work hard. Not for money. See, some of us who work very hard for money. It depends what our motivation is. We'll work very hard for money. We'll work very hard for some bonuses. We'll work very hard at business. But the scripture says that we are to work hard for Jesus Christ because you don't serve man, you serve Christ. You want a verse on that, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It is the Lord Christ who you serve. Some of us are terribly motivated by greed. And that's why we'll work so hard. We'll work hours at our business, but we can't lift a finger to work in the church. Why? Because we don't pay everybody. So hard work is what Paul said his struggles were all about. But hard work is only half of the story. The second word to describe Paul's service and ours is found in verse 29, the word striving. Striving. He said, I labor, but also right after he said striving. What does that word mean? This is the Greek word that was used for competing in an athletic contest. We get our English word agony from this word. Agony. It could mean a race. It could mean a wrestling match. It was a struggle against an opponent. I want you to know any athletic contest is a struggle. It involves pain. My dear mother-in-law wants to know why I run when she sees runners who never look happy. I've never seen a happy-looking runner except at the finish line. I want you to know that when I race, it's painful. 
I give effort. I give struggles. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. Most races, when I finish them, I feel like I'm going to throw up. It's not a pretty picture. I've never done it. I felt like it. And that's why, if you ever see me at a race, right after the race, I'm off by myself. After a few minutes, I'll come back to the crowd. But I'm off by myself because I think, never mind what I think is going to happen. It's strain. It's effort. It's kind of a sickening thing, actually. But no athletic contest is pain-free. It takes hard work. And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about some agony here in ministry. Paul really struggled in his effort to help believers grow in Christ. Life wasn't easy for Paul. He went through all heartaches, all hardships. And life's not going to be easy for you if you are involved in ministry. It's just not easy. If you do what you're supposed to do in strengthening the church, it's going to be tough because all of ministry is a struggle. You say, where is the struggle? Listen, you're struggling against Satan. You get involved in ministry, expect that you're going to have some satanic onslaughts because he doesn't want you to serve. And that ought to tell you that you ought to be involved in service. You battle Satan. You battle the flesh. You battle your own discipline. You battle the world. And listen, the fact of the matter is you'll battle other believers who don't want to do things the way you think it ought to be done, who aren't ready to run with your vision. You'll struggle. You'll be criticized. You'll have people who are thoughtless. They'll take advantage of you. That is part of the battle. And you'll struggle in your prayers. You'll struggle in your own discipline to do things. But do not let this struggle scare you. Because you must be thinking, I'm not Paul. I'm not an apostle. I can't do this. No, you can You can be involved in ministry. You must be involved in ministry. You must not be scared thinking, I can't do this. Because the last phrase of verse 29 is perhaps the most important phrase of this whole passage. Paul says, I labor striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. You know what he's saying? Just as God gave Paul the strength to serve him. And Paul didn't do it because he was such a super duper strong guy. Paul did it because God empowered him, and so God will give you the same strength to do whatever he's called you to do. Nobody serves because they have tremendous strength and insight. They're able to serve because they're empowered by the Lord, and you don't wait around to get that empowering. You just do it. As you're doing it, God empowers you. That's the way it works. Now listen, God has saved you to serve him. And that service involves hard work and it involves struggle. And you ought to know that. The hardest task you'll ever have is helping believers grow in Christ. There is nothing harder. Why? They will disappoint you. They'll take steps backwards. They'll make unwise decisions. They will give excuses. They will fall into sin. They will believe error. They will be overly critical. They will be angry. They will fall into bitterness at times. They will be apathetic. At times, they will be falsely spiritual, thinking that they are spiritual. At times, they will be lifted up with pride, and you got to deal with all of this. That's ministry, whether you're in the pulpit or whether you have the gift of helps and you're helping somebody. That's just the way it is. I remember saying once to an older and wiser pastor many years ago, I said, probably in a moment of frustration with somebody, I said, you know, ministry would be so much easier if it didn't involve people. And he said to me, Steve... If it wasn't for people, there would be no ministry. Oh, oh, that makes sense. That wasn't how I was feeling, but that makes sense. 
But like Paul, we use all of our strength that God gives us and energy that he gives us to build these people in Christ. Why? We do it for the sake of the church. We spend ourselves and allow ourselves to be spent for the cause of Christ. And you know what? When you do this, and it'll take you into some difficulties, some heartaches, there'll be your unsaved friends and relatives and loved ones who will look at all your effort and all your problems, and they won't understand. They won't understand why you keep up doing this when what you do is so difficult and you don't get much in return from their point of view. And you know what? They'll question your God's love and ability to keep you from trouble. They'll look at you as a servant and they'll say, look, why do you do this? Look, you give your life to serve Jesus Christ and then you've got this illness. And then you've got this tragedy in your life. Look at you, you're going through such heartache. If your God really loved you and he was the God that you say he is, why would he let you go through this? And you know what? They sound very much like the false teachers at Colossae who were saying the same thing to Paul and about Paul. If Paul's Christ is really like this, why would he allow him to go through so much heartache? You know what the answer is? It's not because his theology is defective. It's not because anything is wrong with Paul's life or anything is wrong with your life and your theology. It's because you choose by God's power to suffer and serve and struggle for the church because you know it's the church that Christ loves and purchased with his own blood and has commissioned us to take care of. Let's bow for prayer. This message is a message primarily for those who are believers in Christ, because it's only those believers who can serve the Lord. Paul calls us to give our life for Christ, as he did. But I'm telling you, Christ gave his life for you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have this Christ dwelling in you, and that your troubles and trials aren't turned into an opportunity to let the Lord deal with you and work in you, then you don't have the hope of glory. You need to trust Christ. And you need to know that after the service, we have someone who's waiting to speak to you. If you'll just go through the doors by the organ, there'll be somebody there who can counsel you and speak to you about trusting Christ. And if you just like to go and pray in the back, we have a room there for you just to be alone and pray and seek the Lord. I want you to do that. If you do know Christ, then you need to respond to this. You don't want to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit by just going out of here and not giving it another thought and going home or going out to eat. You need to let the Spirit of God do His work in you. Where will you serve? What will you do? No excuses. Well, I live very far away. I'm really not that old in the Lord. Listen, Paul never gave an excuse. Paul was serving the Lord immediately. Paul gave his life for the sake of the church. We need to give ours. Father, we thank you for the example of Paul. We thank you, Lord, that there was nothing wrong with his theology and those false teachers were just absolutely ludicrous, as are those today who say that suffering and sickness and poverty must mean we're out of your will. No, Lord, they very well may mean we're in your will, and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that we might be a whole church at Lakeside filled with ministers. We have pastors who are elders, but Lord, we want you to raise up over 400 who are ministers, serving in every area, new ministries, old ministries, official programs, ministries one-on-one. 
to serve and to not look for the easy way out and to not complain, but to realize to present everyone mature in Christ just takes hard work and takes a struggle. I pray that you would drive laziness out of us. That, Lord, we would be more diligent to work for you here than we would if we had a job that paid a million dollars a year. I pray we would be driven out of love for Christ, not out of greed and self-centeredness. Lord, take these words, apply it to our hearts. I pray that you'll stir us to obey. We pray this in Christ's name. As we heard today, God has saved you to serve Him. And that service involves hard work and a struggle. Why? It will disappoint you. People will take steps backwards and make unwise decisions. They'll give excuses or fall into sin. At times, they will be lifted up with pride. That's ministry. Whether you're in the pulpit or whether you have the gift of helps, you're working to help somebody else, sometimes that's just the way it is. But serving God is worth any negatives that come our way. I hope you've been challenged in your faith in this series, The Incomparable Christ. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you would like more information about Lakeside, please visit lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com. And please join us for the next Verse by Verse as we will have a new series for you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.